Hi, this is Betsy Beers. I'm the executive producer of Scandal, and this is Scandal Revealed, the official podcast for the fine television programming Scandal. Happy to be here again. It's Halloween week for us, which is very exciting. And for those of you who are listening to this, you've already had a really happy, exciting Halloween because you got to watch Scandal, and hopefully you got frightened by some things which would then qualify as a Halloween fright, which is good. But today I have two incredible guests who happen to be linked in more than one way, which is one way is that they both actually are part of the Scandal family and the other way is they're actually husband and wife. And a lot of people have had a lot of questions about this entire situation for quite a while. So we thought we'd drag both of their asses in and have a conversation with them. The phenomenally gorgeous and spectacular Jeff Perry, who of course plays Cyrus Bean, the man that you love to worry about his heart attacks and his spectacularly talented and gorgeous wife, Linda Lowy, who has been part of the Shondaland family since the year of the big win, 1945, <laughs> has cast every single thing that we've ever done, including probably my marriage, if I could have had her do it, and um, has been casting Scandal since the beginning, and Grey's Anatomy since the beginning, and Private Practice since the beginning. That's right. Thank you guys so much for showing up. As is always my want, and I've been forgetting to do recently, I'm gonna describe what everybody's wearing. Uh, Jeff is wearing a very spicy, patterned, sort of plaid blue shirt, which sets his eyes off, which are, of course, gorgeous, and some cords. And Linda's looking especially elegant in a lovely black blazer, a nice, creamy, sort of silky top, and some jeans. And in honor of Halloween, I am in a scarecrow costume. So please remember, <laughs> if there's any rustling, it's just the hay and the straw in my sleeves, which is a little awkward and strange. And my husband doesn't like the costume very much, especially when I wear it home. So you guys married. Yes. How did you guys meet? Meet me. Well, we met very early on in Chicago when we were both in Chicago, and it was Steppenwolf was a young theater at that point. I think it was, we were both in our early 20s. We were both married, or soon to be married, and we were working on the same production of The Miracle Worker. And I was, believe it or not, teaching the cast a little bit of sign language because I am also a teacher of the deaf. See, this is what I love about these podcasts. <laughs> Stuff comes out that I had no idea. Okay, well, keep going. Well, I was a theater major and I was too nervous to do that, so I had to do a double major. So I, anyway, that's a much longer story. And Jeff was in the cast and he played um, Helen Keller's mean brother. And we had a eye-rolling sort of relationship because the director was lost, I thought. She didn't really know what she was doing, and you were eye-rolling over that, and, and that's where we met. And after that, every time I attended a Steppenwolf production that Jeff, if I saw Jeff, he was always so sweet and introduced me to the fabulous other actors at Steppenwolf, including, that's when I met Gary Sinise and John Malkovich was all through you, and I started attending all of the Steppenwolf productions. And then over the years, Jeff and I kept running into each other. And then we got together in Los Angeles 25 years ago. Wow, okay, yeah. see? We jumped to about 1987, right? Right, 88. And you- I was at Disney Studio. Escaped <laughs> your first marriage. I'm just the first about. Is listening. I'm, don't take that. Personally. No, no, don't take it personally. Don't take it personally. Don't take it personally. My wife then was. A, we were about to become exes. Loved, loved each other as friends, but realized marriage was not probably really smart. And we have since become incra crazy good friends. Linda Lowy. Lori Metcalf, my ex. Um, we're like and, sisters now. Yeah. Um, anyway, and, that's and, <laughs> 
Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Anyway, so we met on Dopey Drive. You met on Dis- Dopey Drive. Linda, Linda was at the beginning of her casting life at Disney's first ever live action casting department. Okay, and what you, what you guys who are listening don't necessarily know is the way casting works at a studio is there's somebody who's the head of casting, and very often they're the person to wrangle the movies and the television shows. So Linda would have been, before she became an independent casting director, which is what she is now, um, working on our shows and shows like Friday Night Lights and movies like Under the Tuscan Sun. She was working as a Disney employee, which means we have Disney to thank for so many things. Right. Gainful employment from WA for several years and in a weird way, the blossoming, burgeoning lerve that we see ahead of us, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. I heard that Jeff Perry was moving to Los Angeles through Gary Sinise. And I said, oh my gosh, I've always loved him so much. He's fantastic. And he needs to come in and meet everybody in the casting department at Disney. So I tracked him down and he came in. We had lunch. And it was interesting because there was nothing really to talk to Jeff about except for things that were very serious and heavy. Somehow I just couldn't, you didn't talk about the weather. And I asked him one too many questions about his mom who had just passed away and he started to like cry at the lunch. I mean, we had only been at the table for about romantic. 20 minutes. That's great. That's a really, yeah. that's a good meet cute. And I, and I thought, oh my God, it was like, a, it was like <laughs> Diane Keaton and Woody Allen and it, it, I just kept apologizing. And then I said, well, you know, at least you have your, are you close to your dad? And he said, well, my dad passed away when I was 19. It was and a wreck. It was a two mess. For it Linda. was a mess. <laughs> it was a mess. And then there was silence. And then I said, whatever happened to your marriage? <laughs> <laughs> She wanted to go for the trifecta. Yeah, that's good. You got you got all three. And we burst out laughing. We burst out laughing, and, and I, I was like a little puddle. I, I cried and laughed within one minute, and um, and it was great. And I wouldn't tell her for at least two three days, but I fell in love in minutes. And for I you, think. actually, two or three days, that's showing a huge amount of restraint. It think, was, don't you think? It was. And just so everybody remembers, Steppenwolf, which is the theater company that they're referring to, based out of Chicago, is that incredible theater company where Jeff started and was one of the founding members and put on incredible modern American plays, did revivals of plays, and where some of our greatest American actors have actually come from. So, including, of course, the fantabulous Jeff Perry. Um, now, jumping to this episode of Scandal, Jeffy. I'm going to call you Jeffy because your wife calls you Jeffy. I love that. And I understand that you make, as we've talked about in this podcast before, a special casserole. Which Jeffy's has Jumble. Jeffy's Jumble, which we're all super excited about at Someday Eating. I know the cast gets to have it on a regular basis when you have the screening parties, but I'm all lined up with my fork and my big flagon of wine. So this episode, one of my favorite things is the scene that you guys have with the blessed Paul Edelstein, who, of course, we know is Cooper Friedman from Private Practice and also is that really creepy dude from Prison Break, which always struck me as very funny that the creepy dude from Prison Break played America's favorite pediatrician. But that's the great thing about you actors. You can do anything. It's incredible. Uh, I know. Was that scene just incredibly fun to play? with? That scene with you and Melly where basically he just lays you guys out as losers? Love it so much. And I've always, I've, I've always loved Paul's work. We go back to Chicago theater moments together. And it, it was just effortless. I mean, Paul is sort of effortlessly sharp and bright and articulate. So is Leo Bergen. And he can be kind of wicked black funny, Mr. Paul. All of that is in the little stew pot of this guy he's creating, Leo Bergen. 
it was like a primer. Uh, Bellamy and I were, were just kind of open-mouthed watching him work. Luckily, the camera was on him, not us being just shocked actors. <laughs> not shocked, just in admiration. And just kind of like, oh, this is like a notebook of some of how you handle incredible Shonda political dialogue. How do you feel about your relationship with poor young Ethan? Which is one of my new favorite things about Scandal is watching that poor kid run around after him. And I was used to hear stories when I first got to Hollywood about these producers who would throw phones and go crazy on you. And like a friend of mine who worked for a producer who won't be named who would literally throw, you'd have to learn how to duck as part of your job. I always sort of vaguely have this feeling that it's either Cyrus is gonna have a heart attack or he might kill Ethan at some point, but Ethan seems okay with it. It's just, it's this incredibly great dynamic you guys have. There's this great, you know, divining rod that abusive people like Cyrus <laughs> seem to have <laughs> of, I'm going to find the most loyal, steadfast, enduring donkey of a human. <laughs> um, uh, um, uh, 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 so that I can lose my temper at any given moment, and they'll they'll flinch, but they won't break, and I they'll still be there. Those bozo dolls that we used to be able to hit that had sand on the bottom, oh, and you could those. punch it, and the doll would pop right back up. Mm -hmm. It's like we all need one of those in our lives, even if you have to pay them and give them health insurance as part of the Washington plan for mm -hmm. keeping this guy. <laughs> okay, and the other thing, obviously, I think we're all super intrigued by is the relationship between Cyrus and Rowan, Joe Morton, just because that is it's it's a little bit of an evil off sometimes like it's a little bit like the giant behemoth versus mothra like some weird like duel between two superheroes because you've got special powers which is phenomenal amounts of anxiety and deviousness and he's got special powers which is just pure out cold scary crap monolithic scary don corleone seriously meets, you but know, there is the this really parts of the cia funny moment yeah. that it is in this episode and there are a couple of coming up as well, where you honestly, you can see in Rowan's face that he's flabbergasted and kind of puzzled by Cyrus's approach to everything because he doesn't quite have any kind of appropriate response to you because you're constantly running around in circles like a tiny little chicken, yeah. you know, like <laughs> kind of working him up, which is always really funny to watch because Joe is so, as an actor, so implacable. Now, what was, to talk a little bit about the process of casting Joe Morton. Well, that was that was interesting. In the land of Shonda, Shonda Land, where we all live happily, most of the time we can't really divulge to anybody, agents, actors, ourselves, <laughs> ourselves, our families. Very often, by the way, Linda and I call each other because we'll know a certain amount of information. We had a conversation today on the phone where we both were saying, "Well, I think we could cast that. I don't really know if yeah. we can cast that person because I don't know if that person's in it." So. Right. Right. We, a lot of mystery. We, a lot of mystery. But the little shreds of information that were, that are, that, that Shonda does share with us, um, we are not allowed to whisper to anybody else. It scares me a little bit because I always think I'll screw up. But it's been 10 years and I haven't done, done that yet. That in the beginning of Grey's, I, I, I really didn't even want to shred my scripts because I was afraid someone could tape them together. I mean, I didn't know what to do with them. <laughs> I, we burned them in the fireplace. We burned them. I still um, do. I yeah, burned them. We burned them. But anyway, that's hysterical. Yeah. Sadly, it's my job very often to put those practices in place, and I'm as frightened at the practices I put in place as you guys are. <laughs> so we're starting to do it with scandal now, too. But um, yeah, we all sort of live in fear. We live in fear of any information getting out. So obviously, the only people that knew that Rowan, Joe Morton, was Olivia's dad 
There were like four of us that knew that information. We have what's called a casting concept meeting, and that includes the casting department, uh, the writer, Shonda, a couple of the producers, the director of the episode, and our, of course our producing director, Tom Verica. And we all get on a conference call and we discuss what we want for each character. Everything from age to ethnicity to type. Then we put out a breakdown. We send it to breakdown and What they you write are characters, character an age range, a description. Exactly. For Rowan, we might And have, you send it to agents and managers. For Rowan, I think we kept it so simple. We, we said someone who works, you know, a government official. I mean, that's how vague it is. And it's always that vague because we never divulge what somebody does. Yes. Really. And, you know, what I then did is look for people that I loved, you know, because I, I knew it would have to be somebody that had some gravitas, somebody that, you know, was able to, you know, coexist in a scene with Kerry Washington. You know, what I'm doing is I'm looking for a family resemblance. I'm looking for something that is believable. And Joe Morton was an actor that Joe, I just felt like he was flying under the radar. He's a wonderful actor. Obviously, I knew, knew him from many other things. And I hadn't seen him lately, and I hadn't seen him come through on the breakdown. And I got so excited, and I thought, that's it, that's it. It's him. It's got to be him. So I, I do a thing where I call Shonda and the other people on our creative team, and, you know, we kind of come to an agreement and put an offer out. When you have actors of, we were so excited about getting Joe Morton because we all knew his work, I mean, from starting with Brother from Another Planet. And he, he has always been one of those people that we, I know, have always wanted to work with and have always sort of followed. So when you brought his name up and said, oh my God, this guy could be available, I think everybody was super excited Everyone about that. Everyone was super excited. I remember Carrie came up to me and she said, I am so excited about Joe Morton. He's the only actor so far that I've called home and told my parents that that he was gonna actually be on the show because I knew how excited they would be, and that made me feel good. The sense of satisfaction when you actually put the right person in the right, which you do all the time, but and you make it look very easy, but it's such a great thing when you, when you watch a show that's cast well, it should look like those people were there before we turned the television on. And that's the way it always looks, as though they got there before you did. We'll have these conversations where we'll see somebody on a show that we both watch, and you'll say, do you see that guy? And that's the kind of eye you always have to have when you're right. looking at different people and sort of filing them in the back. Well, you guys, we have Twitter questions for you because that's the great thing about our Twitter followers is they always come up with great things to ask that God knows I'd never think of. Well, I think we actually, question for Jeff, we sort of actually asked already, which is the Alexandria Johnson at WTVR Lola wants, I think that this is part of the joke of me doing this, is that I never can read the Twitter handles. <laughs> so that's just hysterically funny. Who's scarier, Rowan or Cy? I think it's a draw, don't you? I'd like to call it a draw. There's times when I think Rowan's the only one who really scares Cyrus. Um, I remember that gorgeous scene I got to do with Melly of, you may be a political animal, but I am a monster. <laughs> and da, 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 you know, <laughs> type of thing, and and you know, I kind of came at Rowan Joe Morton with a sense of alpha equality out in the, one of the White House Rose Gardens a number of episodes ago, and Rowan said, "It's funny with you people that you get a little bit of power and you think this is it. <laughs> Don't become a liability, Cyrus." 
you will not contact so and so again. And I go, I got it. <laughs> you know, and it was kind of, it was one of those little moments, little story moments where you go, oh, I think he scares me. Yeah. <laughs> Rowan, Rowan's a little bit like hits everybody with a club, and Cyrus like digs a tunnel with a teaspoon. Yeah. You know, so yeah. that's where I think like you may count Cyrus out of that battle, but Cyrus has the teaspoon, and Rowan might have already bombed everybody from the plane. So you've got a feeling you wouldn't be shot. If Cyrus has, you know, some pictures so of Rowan, someplace. of Rowan in a compromising, in a, in a terrifyingly kind of secret yeah. place or something. It's just that Cyrus is louder and more frantic, <laughs> and Rowan is the picture of calm. But that doesn't mean anything, you know. They they're both pretty dangerous. Um, future screenwriter at Spelling Geek, which see, I could say that one because apparently I'm reading now. I've heard that you get the script before your hubby. Have you ever had a hard time keeping beats from him? Oh, that's an excellent question. Well, you know, we, we made a pact at the very beginning of this that um, we would not talk about material until we both had it. And that was very hard starting with the fourth episode <laughs> because I was outside at our house under an umbrella reading and he was inside studying the third episode all of his lines he had a lot of stuff to do in the third episode and I was outside and, and we get to this moment where Olivia comes to a door knocks on it and the door is opened by James and I'm reading along going I wonder whose house this is you know and he says my husband doesn't work on Sundays and then we go out to the garden and we see it's Cyrus's house and and nothing had been said about that and all of a sudden it hit me, it dawned on me. I went, oh my God. And I went back to that and I screamed. And Jeff came running outside and he said, what's wrong, what's going on? And I said, um, because we already had the pact. And I said, uh, nothing. I, th there are so many people to cast in this episode. <laughs> and then he went, oh. And that then is the he crappiest diversive tactic I, I I've know. ever in my life. I was like, there's so many people. And he went back inside and then I, I was just staring into the middle distance going, oh my God, he's gay and he doesn't know it. And then, and it was just, it was hilarious. It was hilarious. It's, it's also, it's made even better because one of the things that all the actors say and have said a lot on these podcasts is one of the challenges and exciting things about working on this show is they're gigantic personal details that you are not told about yourself for the longest time. Because sometimes the writers are finding it, other times it hasn't come up. Like, and Shonda will say, when we first started working on the pilot, I remember Darby coming up at one point and going like, what's my motivation for this? And she said, what do you think your motivation is for this? And she went, wow, this is like a kid in a candy store. I can do whatever I want. So a re revelation like that, which is, could really inform the way you're thinking, playing the character, is a huge piece of information to have at a particular point. Huge. And also Jeff had, Jeff had already established, had established Cyrus. A different idea in his head. Yeah. You've done exactly what the audience did, which we made assumptions, which we shouldn't actually necessarily make, but we just made. And then there's that great moment where as an audience, you look and you say, all of a sudden now I have an entirely different insight and maybe what this man's life has been like in this incredibly conservative town he lives in. And I mean, all those other things that come with it. So you, you know, it's unique and wonderful about television because right, serial television and in the old days, serial radio, I guess you guys, it's kind of the only form that is in a way the most lifelike. The river is going on. And you can't step in the same river mm -hmm. twice, mm -hmm. and it is in the present tense, mm -hmm. and it keeps evolving, mm -hmm. and it truly keeps evolving. And in Hamlet, and in every movie, and in you know every play, uh, we know the beginning, the middle, and the end. And here we don't. 
it is truly yeah. present tense evolution. It does, it evolves. Fun. It's so cool. We only broke the pact once, and it was with one word. And I and, and it was me that forced it, uh, only because I thought he, because <laughs> he had two weeks before he had to probably shoot it. And it was the episode this where he highly justifiable, ladies and gentlemen, because I know what that word is. Yes. Yeah, Shonda, this was the only breaking of the pact, honestly, only breaking, and it was the only breaking. Um, when he and James, he he thinks that James might have a wire on, and they get oh, we all know naked. What you're going to talk about. We know, and so I said, honey, I have to break the pact. I have to say something to you. No, 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 you can't. No, I don't want you to. He really didn't want me to. And I said, it's not about a character. I'm not going to say a character's name, and I'm not going to tell you any plot point. He said, okay, what is it? I said, just one word. And I said, naked. And you just stared at me. And, and you I knew asked, she meant me. He I'm actually sorry. asked me if he was in the bathtub playing with the baby. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I said, it's so not that. It's not that. And it's not sexual. And you will never guess it. So forget it. You know, and just as you guys know, because we've talked about this a little bit, we try to warn the actors when they are going to be naked. And on this show, God knows that seems to happen a lot so they can all feel okay about themselves when they're being filmed because I don't know if you're like me, you'd like a little bit of warning if I have to get in a dress, people are gonna see me in. Golly Moses, what's that like when you're in your underpanties? Yeah. You know? And you know, you might wanna go on a juice diet. You might wanna just juice, you might wanna juice. So we have a joke at Table Reads where if anybody's naked, there's somebody usually goes, the juice is for you and hands it to whoever the naked E is for that particular episode. So I yeah, quick I quickly scandal. did the math of, you know, me <laughs> juicing the number of days before we shot this and I said no. No, no may, juicing. May he may one of the most wonderful well, American actors ever rest in peace James Gandolfini if he can be in his boxer shorts by God, I well, can. and I just I just want to say you looked you looked lovely. You looked lovely. I do think the juice. that James did a, a, a big juice I'm, fast. I don't, think anybody, <laughs> I don't think anybody would be telling secrets out of school if we actually said that. I think probably okay. Kelly at Kelly Franks, what is it about Jeff that made him perfect for the role of Cyrus? Do you think? I thought Shonda actually wrote it for him subconsciously or consciously. There you go. That's a really really good answer. And what do you think was what made you perfect for Cyrus? For a long time I was answering questions, whether it was from you know a family member all the way to USA Today or something like that, about, gosh, Jeff, this seems a pretty different role than we've seen you in. And I said, it is, man. They're, the combination of alpha male Machiavellian situational ethicist crazy, scary strategist, you know, that the guy is. I've touched little parts of that with other roles. That was usually my answer. Of, um, I, I think Linda saw something in me and Shonda saw something in me I hadn't explored. But then I realized something, and I was talking to my high school drama teacher who got Gary Sinise and I to fall in love with this, thank God, because we were really mediocre students. She had cast me as Iago in Shakespeare's Othello when I'm like 16. And so there was this weird circle of, okay, this tremendously great teacher and Shonda and Linda and Betsy kind of seeing, I don't know, seeing this thing with 40-some years in between. And Linda, Linda has a funny phrase. She says, oh, Mahatma Patton, uh, kind of meaning that Jeff, me, is, you know, what, five parts 
um, Gandhi and one part General George Patton, and that when the Patton comes out, you want to sort of go to the other room. It was maybe, <laughs> you know, it was maybe, um, it was maybe a magnification of that. You know, That's Cyrus and the pilot wasn't so Machiavellian, though. He was, we thought he was, he was the more moral center of the piece. <laughs> That's true. So you didn't so really funny. know that. That's you true for a minute, I thought. Wait, this is the great. This is I'm the Gregory walking, Peck. I'm walking in the little the, southern town on the Nookie, and I'm going, "Oh, holy God!" And everybody's like, "That poor dude had no freaking clue what was going on in the other room." You kn we knew that we needed to cast somebody who was formidable in this part. You needed a formidable person, but you needed somebody who kind of walked in on little cat feet, who wasn't a sledgehammer because there was no subtlety or anything interesting about it. these characters. When you meet these guys, they're not like sledgehammers. They sneak up on you. And there's something always about the characters you play that have complexity and another side. And I do think most of the things I've seen you do, there is a darker side. Yeah. When you think about Thatcher Gray, who yeah. was a twisted sad fellow yeah. in many ways and probably still exists and may exist continually with that lovely young girlfriend he had last time I checked it out. <laughs> right. mm -hmm. um, but I think that that was one of the things that we kept looking at and thinking, there's something really strong about him, but he doesn't lead with it. And I think, think Jeff Perry and I think the character, you, you're very good at convincing people to do things. Your objective as an actor, you're very persuasive. And that was the thing I think about that role, because he wanted to like Fitz and you wanted this guy around him who really felt like there was some sort of sense of being in charge too. And you know in casting, Linda, you mean tell me what you think, but I, I've always seen great asset in just where there's kind of an inherent dichotomy going on. Yeah. You know, there's there, there's something there's someone there's something always kind of juicy yeah. about that. And in, and in terms of the casting process, you know, when we were casting the pilot, I think a lot of things become clear in in the casting world by by watching actor after actor read the sides, and you start thinking about the character and what you want. And Shonda was probably all into the future of Cyrus in her head. And the thing that's been said about you over and over and over in the press has been, even if he puts a hit out on his husband, you love the guy. And I think she was looking for that dichotomy. It's true, you, know? you always understand his point of view, which is true. You guys, this is so great to do this that I can hardly have you, you guys have to come back for part two whether you want to or not, because there, I've got so many other freaking questions to ask you guys. And, you know, unfortunately, I've got to, like, stop talking because that always bums me out because it's the only place people let me talk and they can't <laughs> stop me because <laughs> I'm in my office. <laughs> um, but thank you guys so much for doing this. I really thank appreciate you, you both taking so the time. Fun. Linda's busy casting five billion things, and we dragged her from her office, which I love because I love to hang out in her office, and she always makes me feel better, and I tell her lots of things. <laughs> and Jeff is very, very um, busy in his own right, desperately crafting lines with five seconds to go. We've given you a script yeah, and you yeah, barely we'll have be time. Shoot, we'll be shooting some good stuff some, tonight. Some great stuff. Next week, of course, I will be joining you again with another podcast, which will be phenomenal and very exciting. And it's a great new episode called Icarus. Think about that what you will. It's an amazing episode of television with some very large surprises in it. Please remember to watch Scandal, 10 o'clock, ABC, Thursday night. And if you have the inclination, you might want to check out Grey's Anatomy. Fabulous medicine, there'll be some surgeries, I'm sure there'll probably be some sort of sexual antics. And that's on at 9 o'clock, Thursday night, ABC as well. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Thank Jeff. You, Thanks, Betsy. Betsy. That was fun. See, and it's not as painful as the dentist, which is also a good thing. This is Betsy Beers. I'm the executive producer of Scandal. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a great week, and I'll be back to bother you next week. Take care. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.